Here's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Why flick chart are you telling I, us this? Yeah, just okay. I don't save cookies or anything, so it, that comes up every single time. Uh, so it feels like it needs to do that. Okay. Yeah. All right, do we want to do any flick chart to warm up? Yeah. After Kevin finishes his AARP ad over here. It <laughs> <laughs> was actually a rowing machine. That was an AARP. An AARP-sponsored <laughs> rowing machine. <laughs> Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and, I want to say used, but that's wrong. <laughs> new and used movies. Oh, I kind of like that better. New yeah. and used movies in detail. Um, <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Kevin. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom, and I'm bringing the spoilers. All right. Um, this week, it was uh, Brian's pick and my pairing. Brian had an unfortunate turkey basting accident. Yes. And can't join us tonight. <laughs> yeah. So Brian's not here, so we're gonna take over. We're gonna talk about his film. He chose uh, *Knives Out*, and I paired that with *The Imposter*. So we're gonna start off here with *Knives Out*. All right. So uh, *Knives Out*. If you haven't been paying attention at all on like the internet or anywhere, this is the latest film by uh, how do you say his name? Reen? Rain? Ryan. 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 <laughs> was he the original hipster? Like Ryan? Is that what that was? I, he wasn't. His parents gave him the name. That's not I the know, hipster. That's not his like fault. The weird thing, like you know, like you can't. It's not your fault your parents name you Rainbow or something. Okay. Um. Anyway, so this is by, uh, here we go, by Ryan Johnson. You probably know him. He's the uh, director of The Last Jedi, which was that movie that made everybody so angry a while ago. But it was still good. But it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before that, he's best known for uh, Brothers Bloom, Looper, and Brick. And so he's kind of going back to his uh, genre film stomping grounds with this. This is a murder mystery, a sort of Agatha Christie-style murder mystery starring Daniel Craig, as the uh, consulting detective who shows up to possibly figure everything out. And uh, Anna de Armas, is that how we say her name? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And Anna de Armas as the, uh, she's sort of the replacement for like the, the suspicious butler. Normally, yeah. right? Yeah. There's yeah. normally a member. There's like Outsider. Norm- there's normally somebody like that. And then a whole host, a huge cast. Um, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, Chris Evans... Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon Christopher Plummer, Plummer yeah. Lakeith Stanfeld, Catherine Langford. You'll recognize Frank pretty Oz. much Frank everybody Oz. in this movie. Yeah, I like okay. to see him. Yeah, Frank Oz. Oh, uh, yep, M. Emmett Walsh was Honestly, there, Noah Segan. He's in all of Ray Johnson. How is M. Emmett Walsh still alive? <laughs> I know, I was surprised by that, too. Yeah, I'm like, he, didn't you die 10 like, years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when he walked in, I thought he was a special effect. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, Ryan Johnson, what are you doing? But he's actually alive. He, re- he replaced uh, yeah. No, he replaced Ricky Jay, who actually is dead. Oh, okay. I mean, I like him. Yeah. I, I think he's a great actor and, and with yeah. what he does. But I I mean I thought he was dead in the nineties and <laughs> he still keeps popping up. Yeah. Well, when I when I've, I've been watching Coen Brother films and I haven't seen him in them, so I figured yeah. he was gone. I figured <laughs> yeah. that, that was the end, right? He yeah. wasn't. <laughs> he was done. Is what I figured. I guess he's just been hanging out drinking milk. That's what I imagine he drinks. So this was a murder mystery. I was really excited for this because Ryan Johnson always plays with. Um, whenever he does a genre, he always plays with the conventions a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Even the Star Wars movie, which is what people were so bothered by, is he really challenged the conventions there. Looper with time travel, he challenged that. Um, Brothers Bloom with sort of the con artist film, and then Brick with the film noir. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited to see what he would do with a murder mystery. Um, let's turn to Tom. Tom, what did you think about this film? I am a big Ryan Johnson fan. Brothers Bloom is my favorite one. I was I was not let down. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a Ryan Johnson film to me that's a lot to live up to. Yes, you know, I agree. This lives up to a Ryan Johnson film. I'm actually not. I'm really not sure how to start like talking about it though. It's a classic whodunit. Start with um, all the rules that it breaks of whodunits. They tell you who did it twenty uh, minutes into the movie. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, they don't they, reveal the total mystery, but. Like you said, they tell right. you the normal arc. Basically, they solve the mystery 20 minutes into it, but 
it's what Daniel Craig says. There's a hole. There's there's more to the story, and you know it, right? But <laughs> it's a donut. It's a donut, it's a donut. with a, a donut, donut, and there's a donut, donut hole. hole. But the donut it's... hole has a hole, so it's not a donut <laughs> hole. It's a donut. Right. Just... Daniel. All right. Daniel Craig was fantastic in this. First of all. Yeah. It was fun to see him mugging it and being a bit comedic. I I've been becoming a fan of uh, Ana de Armas. She was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, she's freaking adorable, and she's actually just a really great actress. Jamie Lee Curtis was great in this. Christopher Plummer. I mean, the whole cast was great. Don Johnson was even great, and like he's not somebody that I look forward to seeing in a movie. You know, I, I think what I found really interesting about this is this is basically like Ryan Johnson's response to the immigration crisis, quote unquote. Yes, is to make a whodunit, and I just I found that whole thing really interesting. He doesn't like write some political thesis about it. He just makes a whodunit, like a fun, old-fashioned, but playing with the conventions whodunit. I think the politics is going to come out with it. an artist. Is very few artists can hide their politics yeah. and their beliefs. But I think yet the I don't know like which one came first. I somehow I doubt he was like I want to say something about the immigration debate. I imagine yeah. he wanted to write he wanted to write a whodunit. And this is opportunities. Like, he, well, he I can inserts his politics. Yeah, yeah I can make you know. a metaphor for blaming the yeah. immigrant for everything, and you know, right. deconstruct that, which is what the movie does. But like a like a good movie that is politicized, it doesn't um, it doesn't feel the need to preach to you. It no. doesn't actually make the politics, and it still makes a good movie. Because what I find fascinating is is how, like you said, it reveals that twenty minutes, mm-hmm. right? That she has um, she has killed, and we find out later. Not so much, but this yeah. is the belief. And then it goes through all these interesting little twists and turns because how do you keep the tension when you know who's done it, mm-hmm. right? And how do you keep us wondering, well, we care about this character, right? And that's what kept going yeah. through my head is... I don't want her to get caught. Well, yeah. when they revealed right. that, I'm like, what are they going to do now? You know, right. I was like, how are they going to keep this suspenseful? And then then later on, she basically just says, fuck it, I'm going to get rid of the, uh, the whole plot and call the police... And say mm-hmm. I did it and confess to everything. But that still and manages then, to give us at the end the um the Agatha Christie moment. Yeah. That's an Ag- that is an Agatha Christie moment where the detective stops and walks you through it. Yeah. Lets it, the whole audience see all the pieces come together. It's it's like Looper. It's such a traditional example of that genre while also not following any of the rules of that genre. Right. He he, he respects it and adds on. Brilliant at doing yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. what Brick is, really. Yeah. When it comes to it's film noir, but mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, I, I love that. I actually hate the family. Yeah. Like, there's not a member of this family who's, um, they, they've got these these little things, but every one of them is so seedy in some way. Especially by the time we get to the end, and he'll he'll give you these little bits of hope. The only one I feel a little bit for is kind of Jamie Lee Curtis's character. A little bit. Well, they're all humanized. Yeah. Yeah, they're humanized. They're not like mustache twirling villains there there's that nice moment that was kind of unexpected um because it's not the kind of you don't expect a sincere moment like this in a movie like this and it's when jamie Lee curtis is standing by the window michael shannon comes in their brother and sister and she has that real moment of missing her father and they hug mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like it's 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 a it's a touching moment but at the same time they're still really not good people no uh well- she has that that conversation with the detective where she says, me and my father had a special way of communicating. And I don't know about you, but I took that as they hated each other and she's just not admitting that. But it was nice that basically as you go through the movie, you realize, oh, they actually did have a good relationship and they did have a special way of communicating. It just wasn't, you know, sort of on the surface. So it's not all pure cynicism. You know, there. Yeah. And the family, yeah, the family dynamics are actually really, really interesting in this because none of it is seems to be pure hatred yeah and there are those moments scattered throughout the film where there's genuine affection between these people and they told her they were going to cut her in on the inheritance anyway which is yeah. a nice thing to do well they said that they also said that every single one of them also said that said the thing about the funeral and none of them yeah, yeah. but no they but, all got outvoted 
But they, like, several of them came second. to her and said, we, you know, we're going to take care of you. And it seems, to me, it seems sincere. Because there are moments of sincerity in this, like the Jamie Lee Curtis stuff. And it seemed sincere. Like, they before they knew that everything went to her, that they weren't going to just let, mm-hmm. say, okay, well, you're out of a job now. I'm yeah. calling bullshit on it only because they didn't see her at the funeral. Right. They probably thought they'd never have to see her again. So when she showed up, they had to be nice, and they had to have something to add to, oh, I'm so sorry you couldn't make it, or I'm so sorry you weren't invited. Like, okay, yeah, we'll take care of you. Bullshit, they're going to take care of her. Uh-huh. They'll give about, her a thousand yeah. bucks and say thank you very much. Think about the flashbacks where they, they talk about during those first interviews with all, like, she's a member of the family, and you see it from their point of view, right? Uh-huh. And there's, like, the moment where they're saying, you know, like, oh, hey, come on over here, you're part of the family. And then we get another one that goes back, that pushes back, and we see that full conversation. And the real reason that Don Johnson's character is coming over is to validate his point. Yeah. Not that right. they don't no, actually they don't... view her. No. This, they, they still see her in some ways. Helping her to them would be a status symbol. Uh, see, I, I, I didn't get a sense they'd actually didn't. follow through. I think that they, I mean... We're talking about millions of dollars, yeah. and uh-huh. the implication I got was, you know, they may give her, you know, $50,000 out of that, right? They're not going to, like, give her an equal share or anything, right? but it, because they see her as a servant, right? There's the scene where he they're having that conversation. He's kind of hands her his plate as yeah. he's talking, right? right? Yeah. And they see her as a servant, which is, they need to, they're the aristocracy, she's the lower class, and they need to take care of her. Right. Mm-hmm. That so it was that sense of we're your patrons, right? So it's absolutely condescending and demeaning, but not the way they're thinking about it. But then you know they what also I mean? get they're also concerned with the money, and they become yeah. right. Like as soon as they find out that she has it, there's such that kind of like stinging entitlement where they're like, the right thing to do is to give it back, right? Because we deserve it. Yeah. You know, How could we, you even think of keeping it? It's ours. Right. Clearly yeah. it isn't. Yeah, well, I'm, it was given to somebody else. Yeah. yeah it's not yours. Yeah. You don't, like, earn that, you know? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, if your parents decide to give all their money away to the maid, you'd be like, you're not actually going to keep that, are you? Right? I mean, we'd all do that. I'd think it, Maybe I'd not in the nastiest way, nasty right. way they did it, but we'd all be thinking that. Like, seriously, that's family inheritance, and right. in the last couple of years he decided to give it to some floozy that's what would be going on in your head so i, I just not play devil's advocate right. these aren't yeah, yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. people right they're following a kind of a rational path but they're just going about it in a horrible way and there's greed involved right oh. mm-hmm. absolute greed but these aren't they're not they're not making a ridiculous request to say this woman that came into our lives for a couple of years now gets millions of dollars because our dad was mad at us. It happens. Yeah. And the house right? and the business. Yeah, yeah, everything. All the time. It does. When trophy wives marry rich old men. And yeah. it, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong for the, her to get it, but right. I see it from their perspective, yeah. right? They're, these aren't just greedy trolls. Like, there is right. an argument to be made there yeah. on their side. And I think that's what's brilliant about this movie is it's not clearly they're the bad guys and she's the good guy. There's nuance to it. Right. Which is probably what she, keeps the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Like you said, it's, it's not clear. She's a she's a bad guy. She killed him. Mm-hmm. So, and hit it. Right. From her yeah. perspective. She thinks. She thinks. Yeah, she right. thinks. She thinks. yeah. but yeah. from her yeah. perspective, she committed murder and is hiding it. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't she's be a, murder. A no, man, it, it, it wouldn't be murder. No, but, it, would, it would be a whoopsie. Yeah. I think that's the legal term for it. <laughs> I, I think that's manslaughter. <laughs> whoopsie, <laughs> whoopsie in the second degree. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I really did like though that he it's still there is still a murder, right? Yeah. Chris Evans still kills Fran. I actually think I'd have to go back and see. I think this is in some ways there is an Agatha Christie one where that happens. I I think it's Death on the Nile where somebody thinks they killed someone and they're trying to hide it, but someone had already killed them ahead of time. Like the body mm-hmm. ends up being like shot or stabbed yeah. twice. Um. But it's still it's so fascinating how how it all goes back and forth. I I really really enjoyed this. Also the there's there's a lot of good comedy in this too. Yeah. 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 I didn't Ryan Johnson say that Benoit Blanc is basically his Poirot. Yeah. He he felt like a Poirot. His version of Poirot. Poirot. Yeah. 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 Although Poirot is very much that same uh, thing where it's just just the truth, just the facts. Yeah. Um. But then later, and he gets emotionally involved in the whole thing. That scene where he says, "You know, 
you haven't been good to her. You treated her like shit. Yeah. Uh, is, I, I love that whole part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he calls them out on it. I loved a lot of these in this film. I loved all of the, um, especially in that house, all of the sort of little callbacks to moments. Mm-hmm. Like they had a mm-hmm. lot of the, so the puzzle imagery, the game imagery, a lot of that is callbacks to the movie Sleuth, which we did a while ago on the podcast. Oh, yeah. A couple, I think yeah. a couple of years ago. They the even house had, itself. Yeah, the house itself. They even had the sailor with the pipe. Like I, one of the things I think this does well is it, it keeps me wondering like what is going to happen. I figured, you know, there's all kinds of things I was bouncing back and forth. Is he is he actually dead? You know, did he fake his own death? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like in Sleuth, um, did somebody else already kill him? Did they switch the vials? And, and you know, and so I think it's it does, which is that's what's impressive. It does tell you what happened, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hinge on that because it keeps enough of the secrets pulled back and hidden. And then it starts a new murder mystery two thirds of the way in when when he kills Fran. See, I knew when he when her and Chris Evans are at the bar, and the second he's like, I'm going to help you, but then I'm going to get my cut, I knew he was involved at that point. I just couldn't figure out how. I did not expect it to be that level of involvement for him, mm-hmm. right? But I knew, because, I mean, he's obviously still self-interested, so he has to be involved in this somehow, but, yeah, I just didn't figure yeah. that out. It's so hard to make myself realize that I don't, I can't like Chris Evans and everything. <laughs> at this point right i can't like his character just because it's chris evans um yeah but i think uh, i think the part i laughed the hardest at was uh that was the dumbest car chase in history <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny all right let's grade knives out tom what grade would you give knives out a kevin what grade would you give knives out b steven c no a and I'm also going to give it a A. I'd like to do a little bit of a follow-up. Kevin, why uh, why a B? Why are you holding it back from the gold star here? So, just to differentiate himself. No, it, I'm, I'm not. There, there's something about this movie that made me feel that much like it was Marta, right? The, the, yes, okay. yeah. Much, much like Marta. I was being talked down during mm. the movie as the viewer where it just, I don't know, the, some of the feel I got... Maybe it was a dialogue. Maybe it was the way it was shot. Maybe it was the fact that we found out who you know you think mm-hmm. the murderer is in the first twenty minutes, and you'd spend the rest of the movie trying to figure out okay, really what happens. And there's a lot of silly little things here. And it was a fun movie, but I went into this going, okay, I really want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. I wasn't challenged for a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great time, but it just was kind of I don't know. Um, I had a hard time with Craig and his accent. Um, oh, see, I thought he was good. I was nervous about it. I thought job. he was good. I think I'll take part of the blame because I still see him as 007. Yeah, you know that's not his accent. There's right. always an issue with that sometimes, yeah. right? Uh, and kind of like Chris Evans, the more you see him out of his shtick, right. the better he'll get. Mm-hmm. So that'll come over time. All right, let's do a few movie questions. Um Movie questions is this uh, fun little bit that we like to do. Um, and what we do is we like to take uh, some fun little conversation-generating movies and we uh, pair them with the movie we just did. So um, here's a slightly contentious one. Uh, Tom's already answered this. So Knives Out was directed by Ryan Johnson. Name the best movie by this director. Yeah, I said mine was uh, Brothers Bloom, and I, I think that's a minority opinion. Why is that one your favorite? surprises me. Um, I just, I love the, I don't know, just the whole thing. I just has a fun feel to it. And like, they just, you never know what's real, but at the end it's like real enough to have that emotional punch. I don't know. It's just, I I love, it's a fun movie. Yeah. You don't realize until the very end what, what actually happened. What actually happened. And and what sacrifice was actually made, which is what turns the whole con man story on its head. Right. This is. A impossibly hard question for me because I I love all of his movies. I could sit down and have a Rainy Johnson like night. Yeah. Um. You know. I I I find them just outstanding. Um. I just love the way he writes dialogue. Yeah. That's that, he writes dialogue so well, and in Brothers Bloom is probably the best example of that. Right. Um. Where he even talks about how that line he writes cons like Russians write novels. Right. Where yeah. he's kind of describing <laughs> how he writes scripts. Right. Um, where there are these complex things that break rules and mm-hmm. uh, but still are solidly a solid story. Right. You know, he doesn't break rules to the point where he's not following the sort of the tradition. 
but he does play with those rules and things. So. Well, it, it shows that, it, you know, <clears throat> I used to always have a creative writing professor who said, to break the rules, you have to actually understand them. Yeah. You can't just, like, fuck around. Yeah. And so one of the things is he understands how to break them because mm-hmm. he knows what they are and he knows why the rules exist. Yeah. Right. The point at the end of that murder mystery of having Benoit Blanc, in this case, come forward and tell everybody is so we can keep everything clear. Right. Is mm-hmm. to actually reveal all those things because you've been asking these questions all the mm-hmm. whole time. And so you need somebody to do this somewhat organic. And you have pieces. And yeah. You need someone else to kind of put them together. Right. right you need to bring that. everybody into the mansion and we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so and so there's a purpose to that. Right. And so he understands that still has to happen and mm-hmm. he finds a way to cause it when he's already revealed the murderer. Right. When he's already revealed the mystery. And it's this, it's the same sort of thing. In a con man story, mm-hmm. we have to have a con. We have to pull the wool over both characters eyes and the audience, you know. And what he does in Brothers Bloom is he changes the motive for that. Yeah. Right. To get somebody out of the game. Mm hmm. Right, which is I, I think well, it's, the, it's quite brilliant. The con man loses, and that's part of the plan. Right, which is not ever part of a con man movie. No, right, or at least you're, you're supposed to think like with the Sting, you think they yeah. lose, right? And then he, sorry to give it away. If you haven't seen the Sting, it's on you guys, yeah. right? And then he hops up and he's like, "I'm not dead," <laughs> yeah. <Woo>! you know. <laughs> uh, mine would be Brick because Brick is one. It's film noir. It follows the classic film noir, but it also does something with the high school movie because we talked about this last time with Booksmart. High school movies portray kids in high school how they see themselves, not how they actually are. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And Brick kind of takes that idea to the next level of let's just go full on with how high school students see themselves as these noir detectives that are sophisticated and deliver these incredible lines right. and metaphors <laughs> and symbols, which they don't do, right. but. Let's take that to, a, to its extreme and have a film noir with these high school students as they would see themselves. And it's just absolutely brilliant. It's such a brilliant movie. I've watched it over and over again, and it just gets better every single time. And for a, for a first film, yeah, a, a lot of times first films don't have that distinctive of a style to them. Mm-hmm. They aren't like that kind of like ground shaking or different. They're often somebody's trying to get their footing, you know, and to see someone jump in, that was really impressive. Looper, I still love too yeah. because of the, I mean, how he plays with that ta- the time travel stuff. He's still making a genre film. That's one where he gives you the hints at the beginning. Yeah. Right. That the, all these things are going to happen. And like a good time travel, it comes literally full circle. Mm-hmm. Right. And he sets up the... Because I hate time travel movies. It's one of the things I don't like about Looper. But I hate time travel movies where they change the future. Mm -hmm. Um, That bugs me. Uh, Because you create paradox and, you know, you have to just kind of turn your mind off to that. But he sets that up right at the beginning saying, this is a time travel movie with the guy that loses his nose and stuff Mm -hmm. that is going to change the future. So that's the rule to accept it. And then I can enjoy the rest of the movie. So Back to the Future is full of shit? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to do Flickchart. For those of you who don't know, Flickchart is a website you're able to go to, and it sets up a little list for you, a chart of flicks. What you do is you then – it gives you two movies to choose between, and this creates a ranking system. So it creates a literal chart of all your favorite movies. We do this uh, collectively, which is – the way that obviously this was intended and therefore makes it a perfect process. Um, so first up is Knives Out or Much Ado About Nothing. This is the Joss Whedon 2012 version. So I know which way this is going to go. Knives Out. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Quick, what I was going to say. Knives Out. Um, but I'm, I probably go – I like Much Ado About Nothing. I know you guys didn't. But I liked it, and uh, I but I probably still go Knives Out. But I'm kind of curious, Ryan Johnson or Joss Whedon as directors? Right now, at this moment, as Ryan directors, Johnson. or as as writer director, I should say. Like, okay. If if you yeah, asked um, me ten years ago, I would have been like Joss Whedon, without a doubt. Um, but since Avengers: Age of Ultron, he's been kind a good of sitting movie. on. It, it, it is a good movie. That's what I'm kind of saying. Oh, is since then. He hasn't I feel really... like he hasn't really been doing anything. I don't get excited for a project that has his name on it. I would if there Ryan was Johnson. one. Right, that's part of the problem. Ryan Johnson, I feel like, is still doing kind of really original, brilliant work. I just don't know what Joss Whedon is doing at the moment. Yeah. So I think Joss Whedon's 
probably the better writer and Ryan Johnson's the better director. Yeah, I don't know. That would be my take on it now. But yeah, Joss Whedon's kind of dropped out for a while. Yeah. So I'd go Joss. As far as as far as plot goes, actually, as far as narrative, like actual narrative, I would give that to Ryan Johnson. Really? Yeah. I mean, just the way he we were talking about the way he weaves these complex narratives, but he does it so tightly and without any, you know, extraneous stuff. You watch the Avengers over and over and over again, and you start to realize how thin that plot is, but <laughs> you don't care because it's a fun movie and you love these characters. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start to see the holes in it. Yeah. So Whedon's better for characters and Johnson's better for plot? Maybe. Um, I don't know, because Ryan Johnson's really good at character dynamics too. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so Knives Out beats Much Ado About Nothing. Next up, Knives Out or Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Captain America. Chris-off. It is. It's uh-huh. a Chris-off. In fact, it's both posters. Chris-off. Yeah. I do, I do worry a little bit that Chris Evans is now going to um, start taking more bad guy roles. To and kind like, of put counterbalance. To kind of counterbalance yeah. Captain America. And you know there's going to be a couple of bad ones in there where he's just like, like a serial killer in a bad yeah. serial killer flick or something. And they're like, oh, it's edgy Chris. Yeah. Right. And he'll be like chewing on Kentucky Fried Person or something I don't like think, that. I, I think he's going to. So Keanu Reeves did something similar early in his career when he started getting pegged as this action hero. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he started taking things like Much Do About Nothing to Kenneth Branagh on Much Do About Nothing mm-hmm. and things like that to counteract that. I'm hoping that this is just a like break the mold, not necessarily. I need to do the opposite. You know, I think he's a, a very different. I, I think the difference is he's a good right. enough actor. Like Keanu uh, yeah. Reeves and Much Ado About Nothing, people quickly realize don't put him in Shakespeare. Yeah, yes, yeah. right. Well, what's interesting about Chris Evans is that being cast as Captain America did reinvent his career. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Before that, he was this kind of like heartthrob, pretty boy, um, jokester. Yeah. In a lot of movies. That's what he was kind of known for. And then, I mean, when, when he was cast as Captain America, I, I, I laughed. I was like, that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, I yeah if too. you go back to the Twittersphere, I remember people were like, no way, he can't be it. Now we can't really think of anybody else in that role. Yeah. And it's funny, it, in that diner scene, it seemed like they were really trying to hide it with his wardrobe, but his arms looked huge yeah, yeah. <laughs> under they, that sweater. I, they definitely made him look – because I'm like – I looked at him. I was like, he got – he lost a lot of that muscle quick. And then I started looking at him, and I realized it was his clothing, and yeah. they made him, made him look smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could see his muscles through a cardigan. That's how <laughs> cut that guy is right now. Been there, man. Sweaters. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> rough. It's rough. All right. Let's it's actually life. let's actually choose these. Um, I'm gonna go Knives Out. I'm gonna go Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm a Captain America. I think until I see Knives Out a second time, I'll stick with Cap. Uh, Captain America. All right, Captain America: I Winter Soldier wins. We didn't talk about this, but what a amazing conceit to have a murder mystery where you have a character that can only tell the truth. Yeah. That is a brilliant yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. A character that cannot lie in a murder mystery? How do you make that a mystery? <clears throat> it's like, a brilliant idea, but that's kind of that fed into the, all right, it's getting kind of simplistic for us. Oh, see, I because thought that made it more a, challenging. It's a cool idea, but honestly, then that's an easy out for Poirot or whatever the I I was. wondered if it was the case where, like, she'd been lying about that. Like, it was some, we were going to find I out I thought it was that, too. I would have appreciated it so much more yeah. if you find it. Uh, she is brilliant, mm-hmm. and she's been faking it. The no, whole I would have hated that. I wouldn't have liked that because I, I would have hated she that. Is brilliant, and they do make that case because she beats she beats them at Go, and Go is a game. There's like tournaments. Right. It's a name game that's known for like chess. You don't have to be smart to be good at chess. You just right. have to have a good memory. Yes, yes. No, you just have to have a good memory. But yeah. Go, it there's no memorization. It's all strategy. Yeah. So that means she's a brilliant strategist that she's beating them at Go. So she is smart, and she doesn't have to be evil to be smart. That's the whole point of the movie. It's like you don't have to be bad yeah. to be successful. Right. All right, next up, Knives Out or Moonrise Kingdom. This is pretty easy for me. I'm going Moonrise Kingdom. Me too. Same. Yeah. Tom. Knives out. Knives out. It's all right. You can be the lone moral vote down there. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom wins. Next up, Knives Out or Pacific Rim. Knives out. My head says Knives Out. My heart says Pacific Rim. The problem with 
your little boy heart. Knives yeah, out. Because a robot smacks a monster with a ship in that movie. It's the, awesome. The problem is the more you watch like, Pacific Rim, the worse it gets. Whereas the more you watch Knives Out, I think it's going to get better and better. I don't think Pacific Rim gets yeah. worse. I it think, did I think for you, me. you have to keep telling yourself like, oh, yeah. It is a silly movie. Right. Yeah, if you, you do just, that, you to, but I mean, you start noticing more things, so you have to remind yourself of that more. Oh, what, like Charlie Day is not an le- action lead? And can't hold an accent, and <laughs> there are some scenes that are clearly Charlie Hunnam. stage set. Yeah, yeah other you know. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, you know, I mean, it's, I love the movie. It's fun. It degrades over time, whereas this is, I think, is going to get better. It's going to appreciate but did you remember that scene where they jumped up and he had like a giant sword and he like that was so awesome. <laughs> that was so cool. Why didn't he use the sword before? Because it wouldn't be cool then. Exactly. Yeah. That's not what you do. It. You don't use the sword at that time. And that's what you. That's what you have to constantly tell yourself to keep enjoying the movie every time you watch it. No, you just tell yourself it's a movie. <laughs> so knives out. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Pacific Rim. Seriously, Tom. Yeah. Wow. Uh, next matchup: Knives Out or La La Land. I'm going to go La La Land because that does get better every time I watch it. And I've watched it a lot. I It keeps appreciating. Partially it's agree wonderful. with Nate. Yeah. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. And then I somehow rewatched it on purpose. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I was a little bit wrong. Uh, and it got better. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go La La Land. That's another one that reworks a genre, knows what genre it is and reworks it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. It fully acknowledges so, the musical. I agree with everything you guys are saying, and I agree that it's probably the better movie, but I still, it's, you know, jazz is dying, but the white guy comes in and saves it, so it's better now, <laughs> right? I can't get that out of my head, and that bothers me with the movie. I know that's not what the movie's doing. That's me right. putting political stuff on the movie yeah. that's right. not there, but it's still, it's something that's in the back of my mind when I'm watching it, and I can't, so that detracts from the movie for me a little bit. But it's still the better movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. you understand that the writer and director is like a white yeah. jazz piece. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know. you know, it's still kind of like, oh, good, white people save jazz. You know? <laughs> I don't think, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't at all. Knives uh, <laughs> out. <laughs> I love that. So everyone voted for La La Land. I keep, I keep answering before you. I keep answering before you guys call me, and then you call me, and then you hear me say it. Oh. <laughs> Because of the delay. Yeah. No, I think that's working well now. Yeah, it is. Comedy's all the time. <laughs> uh, next up, Knives Out or Fences, a movie I don't think we've talked about since uh, Knives Out a couple of Oscars ago. Has uh, it really come up again? Well, no. Once or twice, but once not twice, often. But not, like we haven't actually discussed it. I'm gonna actually go Fences. I would also go Fences. Yeah. I'm going Knives Out. This is not good. Oh. Fences is is uh, Fences brilliant. is not the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called Oscar Juice. <laughs> Oscar Juice. I love that. Oscar Juice. What is that? Oh, that's Oscar Juice. Oscar Juice. <laughs> no, it's it's a very good movie. Uh, I just uh, I I taught. I literally spent a month teaching this play, so I yeah. know this play so yeah. well, and they did the movie oh, so right. well. So I have a personal this connection is, to it, this. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of the same way, having read the play several times. So, I would not be willing to budge here. Me neither. Yeah. Nope. So, Tom, are you willing to budge? Tom doesn't like Fences. Tom thinks oh. Fences is a bad movie. No, I don't like Fences. Yeah. So then we're Hold it we're there. Here. Yeah, yeah, hold it there. It's not in a bad spot. Nope. So that puts Knives out at 256 on our flip chart. All right, so um, we are going to come back and talk about my pairing to Brian's film so i paired the imposter to knives out so you're on the side of the family because she's the imposter coming in for knives out right she's the outsider i'm just trying to thematically link them i'm I'm trying to follow you steven you're making it hard an imposter. The, the link is just that they're, they're both like mysteries. That's the link. No, the That's link the is you have an us- usurper. Usurper? Usurper. Usurper. Thank you. An us- usurper come in and try to like take something that's not theirs. But that's not what she's trying to do in Knives Out. No, she's not. That's not what he's trying to do either. Oh. Yeah, he kind of oh, is. is. He's not trying to take it from the family. He's trying to take another. He's trying to just take a life. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. for, well, we'll talk about it. Okay. For, I don't want to say noble, but for understandable reasons, I would argue. Imposter? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I have and, no idea. And we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 
It's yeah. such a weird scenario. I, I think this gets Keep into um, oh, shit. And I got to think of the word now because I'll forget it later. Uh, all I can think of is mental inability. Dumb. Arrested development. <laughs> no, no. Um, he he's not in full control of his mental faculties. Yes, I agree. And I can't think of the word for that. Um, he he. Dumb. <laughs> No, he is not dumb. <laughs> no, he's he is not. not dumb. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, he's he he the, should be forever in the system and not. Uh, well, I don't want to say he shouldn't be allowed to. He get should be in an institution, kid. But yeah, well, no, I, there should be somebody should be checking up on him to make sure he's not conning people. Yeah, he yeah. kind of have a well, real it, it's a, it's a, I think he's got a false sense of reality. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a pathology, right? Maybe sounds about right. where like if I, I don't think he. From I don't think the movie. It sounds like he's not capable of stopping. Right. Right. Like there, he has. Are you he has. Some, all this? Uh, I yeah, think so. I think so. Just in case. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. He he can't help himself. There's a there's a there's a pattern of yeah. of pathological lying. Yes. Where and this drive to insert himself into a family. Yeah. He has he his need for well, a family. Here, yeah. Tom came back, so we should. Tom, are you back? So before we get yeah. this discussion, okay, we're, yeah, we're gonna go right. quickly because Stephen and Kevin can't stop talking about this. <laughs> yeah, give them a French twenty-year-old oh. who pretends to be a boy, and they just go all for it. <laughs> he was 23, 24 ish, <laughs> pretending to be a fourteen-year-old at one point. Yeah, and and he's not Hollywood young looking. No, no, he's not. All so right. Nate pulled a me. How for this one? You chose a movie with a title that's almost exactly like the title of another movie we've done in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Impostor. Yeah. How many Impostor movies have we done? Impostor. Impostor. All right. So I had the pairing with Brian, and uh, Brian gave me kind of like, uh, he said, a mystery. And so I chose a documentary called The Impostor. This came out in 2012. And I chose it because, well, it has... It remind, I think it's a really good pairing with Knives Out because it, it has an interesting sort of mystery to it with you as the pr- viewer trying to figure out what occurs. And also, like Knives Out, they tell you what happens mm-hmm. in the first five, ten minutes. And then you are just blown away as the story mm-hmm. unfolds in front of you. Um, heads up, if you haven't seen this film, we do talk spoilers. Um, and I actually highly recommend that you just go watch the film because we're yeah. going to get into a lot, all the little twists and turns of this. So if that is something you do not like... Um, you need to go watch this documentary. Uh, this is a documentary about a young man in Spain who claimed to be a missing 16-year-old from Texas and is then brought in to the family. But as we are told in five minutes into the film, he is a 23-year-old Frenchman. With a thick French with accent. With a thick French accent who cons his way into this Texas family who for reasons we'll get into, takes him in as their own, mm-hmm. says that he's actually their son. He looks nothing like him looks either. Looks nothing like their son, is very clearly older, um, and for a significant amount of time, enough to be registered in a school. Yeah. Enough to get a fucking passport. Yeah. yeah. He becomes an American. Oh my God. That was... That That blows my mind it, still. It, it really does. It still blows my mind. How you the have, hell does that happen? You have legitimate citizens that fill out all the documentation... That wait months and get denied. <laughs> yeah. And he gets one inside a week. Because uh, he points at four out of five pictures. Yeah. 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 It's and 80% I, right. You, you get one, buddy. <laughs> all right. So they, they do. They tell you what's going on. Okay. Yes. This, this family lost their. They start off with, like, you know, any kind of documentary of a missing child. They, they make you feel for the family. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going, still oh, do. my God, this is horrible. You know. Anybody who has kids, this is one of their worst nightmares. So you're automatically hooked into this thing. And as the movie's going on, you know, you find out it's it's this Spanish Frenchman who, for whatever reason, uh, you don't fully understand it yet, um, has a need to be part of a family. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of early on tells you this, and uh, they're they're giving you most of the story from his perspective for I'd say the first third of the movie. Yeah. How you know. How he gets the trust of the family, how the he government. even finds the family, right? Which, as I'm watching this, I'm going, wait a minute, it, you know, we're we're hearing it from his side, and and somehow the um, the Spanish Child Protective Services Agency, we'll just call it that, uh, allows uh, someone under the age of 18 to stay in an office <laughs> more than one night, <laughs> had yeah. to be more than one night by himself, and calls 
American, you know, uh, police departments, FBI, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, all these different agencies, and somehow gets in touch with this family. Um, and, and we'll get into it, but I'm going to jump ahead for right now. Throughout the the story, he's telling you all these amazing things he's able to do and figure out, and and happenstance works in his favor, and he gets all these lucky breaks. So, and, and not to cut you off, but are we assuming that he's telling the truth about? Thanks. the problem I have. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. I don't think he's telling the truth. For the same reason he conned all these families. Is most of the story true? Yes. Is he embellishing to make himself look better? I highly think so. So here's the problem I have. It's a similar problem, but there's one of two things going on here. Either the family was involved in the kid's death or disappearance somehow. And they were finding him and saw this as their chance to vindicate themselves. And um, and that's why when she she and the the aunt, no, sister. the sister, sorry, the sister goes. And from his perspective, she's priming him with all the information he needs to, to assume this role. Right. That's his take on it. And if we take what his description of events as him basically coming clean, then sure as shit, the family's involved in that kid's death. There's no way they're not involved in that kid's di- or disappearance. I, right? I, I get what you're um, saying. If he's on the truth, but yeah. he's a pathological liar. Right. So we can't trust him either. Yeah. But it's still problematic that this guy looks nothing like this kid. And they they should have discovered in, yeah. this within the first day of him being home. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, his mother, at the very least, should have been like, that's not my kid. Yeah. Right. I can. Uh, so my oldest daughter goes to college where I work. Right. I can see her across campus, and just by the way she's walking, I can tell it's her. I can't even see her face. I can't see her hair color. Just by the way she's moving, I know that's my daughter. How could you not? I realize it's been three years or whatever, but how could you not? Unless it's a wish fulfillment kind of thing, which I understand that as well. I think that's what it is. So there's so many different ways this could actually go. I don't really know. Even by the end of the movie, I don't really know what happened. Which is what I think is so brilliant about this film is it puts us... In a weird way, it puts us into the family's position, right? Because it, to us, it makes no sense for them to accept. Right. It makes no sense. And so then we have to make sense of it. And so we come up with a story, which is kind of what the um, what he does, where he says, oh, I know what happened. They must have killed their son. Yeah. Because even he can't believe they would take him in. Right. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and the private detectives start thinking that. And the FBI starts looking into him. Well, they thought that yeah. early on. They thought that when, they, when he first disappeared. They mentioned that um, they were looking at the mother because and the uncle because of something that happened. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but they said they were looking into them earlier. So that was part of the investigation. I mean, that's always part of the investigation. Right. You look at the yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. But it, the the uncle and that's I wish I would have gotten someone else's perspective on the uncle than just his and the family, because the uncle knew it was not brother or, uh, yeah, would have yeah, been a brother. Yeah, he would have been the oldest brother. Oh, yeah, oldest brother. Older. Okay. Yeah. So he knew it wasn't him right away, and he just didn't – he's like, yeah, okay, he's I like, got yeah, it. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And, like, he knew that it couldn't be him. Yeah. But that's also from the uh, – what's his name's description of right. it. Right. Right? So you don't know whether to trust it or not. And so, so I, it's, I, I think what the hard thing for us to admit would be the simplest solution is they just, they're a family. They didn't have their child. Somebody comes knocking. They don't care that he's lying, you know? Their child was honestly lost. And by the end, yeah. that's what I, that's, that's honestly what I got. It's hard to believe. It's hard to swallow because it's such a crazy story where you're like, you know, I can tell my child from, you, you, you said like, I, I could tell how my child walks. But if your child has been missing for three years and you'd come to the termination that they're gone and somebody tells you we've got a shot, this might be them. There's a point where you're, you'd be willing to lie to yourself but and, and, and you'll buy his lies. I agree and with so that. We, we want a deeper motive. But like the family says at, at the end where she says, like, why do we believe this guy? Fuck him and fuck anyone else who would come at us for this. Where it's like. And, and so what it does is it makes we try to make them out to be the bad guys. But the documentary that then shows you the the grave isn't there. Of course, our weird conspiracy theory is is stupid. It is what what happened is what happened. No, I don't think I, I, I disagree. I don't think the documentary is saying, no, it was just this. I think it leaves it gray where we don't know what happens because there. Seriously, if you had a situation, you go up and how could he even he only identified four out of five photos, but he had no information. So that means she would have had to go through those photos. Well, she says and, she does. Yeah, well, yeah. she does. But 
if she did it the way he said she did it, then she clearly knows it's not him. But that means you're believing him. Yeah, exactly. So that's the dichotomy here is we don't know who to believe, right? I think that's the difficulty here is who's actually the imposter? Is it him or is it the family, right? Who's actually... That's the question of the movie to me. Tom. Yes. Go. Um, I don't know how to feel about this movie. Um, I mean, for all the reasons you guys just talked about where you don't know what's what, um, like I don't need to have all the answers at the end, but... I just feel like it almost felt like this whole thing was just a red herring. Yeah. Just to manipulate my emotions. And at the end, it's like, well, I don't trust the family. Mm -hmm. I I, I clearly can't trust this guy who pretended to be their son. Like he's obvious. I'll trust his backstory about um, kind of what made him what he is. Yeah. You know, about not having love. Um, I can buy that. I guess the movie does a good enough job of making you suspicious of the family. But if they didn't, were not involved in the kid's death or disappearance, then that's really irresponsible filmmaking. Um, yes. Yeah. If they knew for sure. However, however, from the interviews, from the interviews of the family, the mom's story seems really suspect, but the sister seems sincere. So it's like, I, I don't know, but by the end, it's like, well, you know, what am I supposed to get out of all this? I think he gets it's a crazy enough. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, he it's a crazy enough. story, but I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not. And I think that's what you're you supposed know. to get is that there, there are, you know, some things you'll never know the answer to. I think it's just such a crazy story. Yeah. This is one of those things where once you start, I feel like the documentary, once he starts tugging on the threads, he would start asking the same questions. How does this happen? And he gets good access, right? He talks to the mm-hmm. heads of the embassy who are actually responsible. He uses what's crazy to me is it's not just the family. Who's yeah. Tricked. Which is news, part of what. Why did like local news media actually sit down and not stop and say like lots of people? Nobody stopped and said like, hold on. Well, up. local news media will buy anything if it means a story. Yeah. But I mean, even they, the people at the they're school. They're not going to care. Yeah, the, the, the people at you the know, school. Other family. Nobody said, why does he have a French accent? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, why are his eyes brown? You can't dye somebody's eyes. That's not possible. So <laughs> his story doesn't make sense. So why are his eyes brown? Like nobody else said these things. Okay. He's coming from a family environment and a town where as a 13-year-old, he disappears for a night or two on yeah, his own. Regularly. Yeah. He's got tattoos. He did? Yes. Three tattoos. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he had to tattoo himself. Um he's hanging out with the wrong kind of people. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see the town so much, you know, his his schoolmates or classmates or whatever or people neighbors and shit like that i don't see them knowing him well enough so right. I, yeah. I think he can get back into his local society yeah. right without too much trouble um, but i think they knew him well enough to recognize he's not a 22 year old frenchman yes <laughs> yes yeah and, but you're not going to remember an acquaintance's eye color either right but the police Fair. will have record of that and I, there must have been some sort of interview or something and they must have looked at his eyes and went something's not right here yeah <laughs> you know but the ears that's the thing or the ears yeah, yeah. I, I think people in his town would have believed the story of oh well, yeah they did something to you know color my eyes i could see people believing that i could see people maybe the you know family even believing that not the police not yeah, like that's, officials. Yeah, that's part of the problem. I, I, I could see you know? people in the town not caring enough and being like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, but not the sort of officials that were involved in this. Even in Spain, like, they looked and, oh, this kid's blonde and uh, has blue eyes. He does. He's not blonde. He's dark hair, dark eyes. And the morning he was supposed to meet her, he dyes his hair blonde. Maybe he's not the kid, you know? <laughs> right. Why didn't yeah. somebody do that? The and, second and he's fingerprinted, He's yeah. flagged by Interpol, and they're like, oh, crap, this is a serial like, yeah. con artist who spends his life impersonating teenagers, <laughs> right? Part of part of the reason why I believe his story a little bit is um, because of how he tells... He talks about how he's how he knows he's going to eventually get caught and yeah. how, he was like, how he feels this compulsion to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe him a little bit, 
and also because he's he's somewhat unapologetic. I'm not somewhat. He's he is completely yeah. unapologetic for what he has done. Yeah. Um, to this family, to everybody, he doesn't care. And which, immediately after he got out of prison and goes back to France, he tried it again. Which I so this is what we started talking about before we started recording is I actually feel a little empathetic towards the guy. This is a guy that he's not doing this for money. He's not doing it for fame. Yeah. He all he wants is the love of a family. That's why he's doing this. Yes. That's why he's this compulsion. A psychological compulsion, yeah. Like, yeah. that is the saddest reason to have a to run a con that I've ever heard. You know? That's, like, if someone yeah. was like, I'm conning you because I just want your love. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, you know, fine. Go for <laughs> it. I, I feel awful. That's you know what I mean? teenage girl. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, that's called marriage. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Please cut that out, Tom. Please. Natasha <laughs> never listens. No, no, no she doesn't. He's, Tom's gonna cut it out and I save didn't, it. I didn't. I didn't hear what Kevin said file anyway. Folder. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's what he's gonna do. Yeah. Um, well, you'll you'll hear it on the recording. So. <laughs> uh, but no, I. It it made me feel for him. He wasn't just this villain that was yeah, trying to take. Yeah, 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 I yeah. felt bad for the guy. Genuinely bad for the guy. And as he's beginning to get caught, there's some moments where I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, the fun's about to end. You were just getting to go to English class. It's not and like he like, was. Oh, no, he's an adult in English class. No, yeah. quick, catch him. It's not like he was, you know, uh, you know, scamming this family out of their money. He was scamming them out of their love. Literally. And acceptance. <laughs> and, acceptance yeah. and a place of belonging. I mean, and he had to go somewhere. Opportunity. Uh, yeah. He went to a completely different country. A completely, he didn't obviously didn't speak English that well. No, he, you know, he he upended his entire life because he just wanted some love. Right, that it, it's an interesting story from that perspective too. Tom you guys didn't like find it. the dramatizations of it a little strange? That's a little strange. I felt it's a. Nate warned me ahead of time, so I was ready for it. Yeah, and so once they started, I was like, "This is this is like a you know, it's one of those shows where they tell you the real story, but they have actors acting it out." Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of Earl Morris. Earl Morris does that um, in a fair amount of his films. Yeah, so it's 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 a documentary technique. I I get it. Um, it can seem a little cheesy, right? But it, it gives you that little bit of atmosphere for us to actually see them and to to hear him describing how he like would manipulate that cop the first time. Yeah. And how he thought through it. Like how he put his hands up, he would shock, he put it away, and that was a way to make them no longer look at him as an adult. Yeah. But to think, oh, I'm interacting with a kid, yeah. not yep. a 22 year old man. Because if he's just standing in the phone booth, opens up and goes, like, I'm a little boy, then you're like, <laughs> 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 you know. So it's so. Isn't there a How I Met Your Mother where he does that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm I mean, only it's... two and a half years old. <laughs> yeah. It's, I just, it's. And so seeing that and then seeing an actor like do what he's describing, and I, I think they balance it well enough with the actual footage, right? They had the actual news footage. Yeah. They had the actual family video of him like getting off the plane. <laughs> that news footage when they're interviewing him. I, the whole he's time, in the I cowboy just, hat. He yeah. has a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> he, has, yeah. he has sunglasses. Like, why aren't you asking him? Why aren't you the person you say you are? Right. Why is nobody <laughs> saying so? As a as a fifteen year old kid, what's it like to shave twice <laughs> yeah. a week? Yeah. And have have crow's feet on your yeah. eyes. <laughs> How'd you get that accent, buddy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They uh, just uh, made me listen to uh, French comedy. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Because when he was being held by this sex ring, if he spoke English, he got beat. Yes. Yes. That's not the way accents work. Then ask him to speak French. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's a it's such a bizarre story. I know, Tom. You were kind of like, "What do I get out of this besides the story?" I don't know if there's much besides the story. It's a interesting twisting story to tell um and i think sometimes that's fair enough yeah yeah that's and that's what i got from it is the the question of this movie is the question like what really happened who knows it's so right. crazy we'll probably never know what actually happened at some point you have especially to somebody the uncle overdosed and I, I have a feeling if the uncle was alive we'd have more to the story but yeah the uncle's or dead the kid. or at least at least was involved in some way yeah i don't know if he killed the kid but you know there, there was some. He knows what happened. Well, right? anything could have happened. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's so. And much. the mom's in denial. Kids, she knows too, and it's in denial. That's what yeah. I got from her. That's yeah. what it seems like. Yeah. So I don't think there was any like. It doesn't seem like there was any either way. Whatever happened, there wasn't any sort of malice. It was just something. Something happened. You know, there had to be malice. There had to be 
something illegal. Otherwise, they wouldn't go, I don't know where he is. No, I don't. I mean, what I mean by that, it, it wasn't a premeditated a murder kind of thing. Okay, but he's got hit by a car. And then they're like, we don't want to, you know, we just ran over a kid. We don't, if you got a swamp nearby. Right, or, is this a confession? No. I think we're recording. No. <laughs> no I mean, if you got a swamp nearby, you just <laughs> grab a blue tarp. And the green twine that's in your trunk, and I got a couple uh, of tarps in my trunk. Yeah, I, I actually do. No, but um, I mean, I, 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 one of the sad facts of life tarps. is, is, is what? It's way under fifty percent of murders get solved. Yeah. In America, yeah. and yeah. most children who disappear, if they're not found in twenty-four hours, are they're not found or found dead? Like yeah. that's yeah. that is unfortunately and never how solved, and yeah. never solved. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that is how how it works out. And yeah. this is a family. That but it's also ninety percent of the ground. time, it's someone in the family. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but we don't um, know, we'll, and, we, and, and we'll and we'll never, never know, know. And, we, and we'll never know. And there's some level of responsibility and irresponsibility. Like now we're getting into like serial stuff, like that first season of that podcast, which more I think about, I get mad about it. Um, huh? So, has, have you guys listened to Serial? No. I know there's a it's serial a podcast. killers no. podcast, but that's about breakfast okay. cereal. It's it's a deep investigative journalist thing, and in the first one, she talks to this guy who um, was convicted for killing his girlfriend, uh-huh. but. She's trying to figure out what really happened. And what really happened is he killed his girlfriend. (laughs) He was convicted of it. Like, a man witnessed it, took the police to the body, and, Uh, like, he admitted it to this person. But now he's sitting here, he's like, it wasn't me. Yeah. You know? And But she's she's pulling at every single little thread to, like, find it. But, But the way that she tells it is intriguing. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, it couldn't have been him. But he said he did it. Yeah, but it's the simplest solution, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's that's what I'm looking at here with this movie. The simplest solution is the family was involved in some way, saw an opportunity to get some someone in the place so they couldn't be implicated. If right. he's still alive, there's no foul play, so they could I, I be implicated. Saying, that's I, the I simplest solution to this story, really. Which, it's kind of crazy, but the other solution is nobody noticed this 20-something-year-old Frenchman was not a 15-year-old Texan boy. Are they just that we... That looked we completely different. We love the That could lie. be. Like, the brain yeah. will trick you, and that could, that's what's interesting about this movie is mm-hmm. it, it literally could be almost anything. Right. Because right? once you get an impartial, like, psychological interviewer talking to him, you know... Which I wish they would have done more interviews with people outside of the family and him. Yeah. To get a more objective perspective on it, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but then in making the movie, like we've said, what makes part of it interesting is it forces us to come up with our own answers. Yeah, yeah. You know. Ask, where, would uh, we be tricked? Right, yeah. The, the PI and the um, speech pathologist both were like, He's not a 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, you know, no-brainer. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some locals that thought, hey, yeah, you know, this this isn't Timothy, I think was his name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see, it, you know, you lose your child and yeah. all of a sudden they're back. Nicholas, 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 yeah. And they're alive and safe, you know. You kind of be willing to put blinders on for just about anything to get your child safe again. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So I, comp- I understand. So that's the other side that is plausible, but not quite as plausible as there's something else. There's, there's a donut in the middle of the donut <laughs> with another hole. <laughs> right? Stop saying that because now I want donuts. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you should get donuts, guys. That's the theme. Donuts okay. inside donuts, of donuts. Donuts with donut holes. Yeah. All right. list donuts. Yeah. So the desire for something to be true is a big motivating factor for going along with yes yeah you can continue i mean that's that's denial you you can continue to tell yourself that this is the case right so let's grade uh the imposter uh kevin what grade would you give the imposter i'm gonna give it an a steven i'm gonna give it a b okay Um, i agree with tom that it's it feels a little manipulative it feels like they're holding back some information to make the story more to in service of the story, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, except this is a documentary, so it's supposed to be kind of laying out the the facts, and I don't know, it feels a little manipulative, mm-hmm. but I, it's still really interesting story. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it an A. I think it's actually a really good documentary. I I don't I don't feel like they're holding anything back. I actually think it's brilliant. Uh, Tom C C. Wow. So Tom said C, which is Spanish for yes, which means he was agreeing with me, so it got an A. <laughs> This is French. It would be we. We, which because the French is stupid, is spelled O U I. French, get over yourself. Like put consonants in your words. Uh, that gives the impo- 
<laughs> that gives the imposter a B plus, which is a Captain America shield. Whoa! Oh, there's your hole from the donut. Yeah. It's all coming full Chris circle. Chris Evans did it. Chris Evans did it. That's that's what we were missing. <laughs> we solved the case. All right, let's do a few movie questions. So, uh, movie questions where we get a random question and we pair it up with the movie we just discussed. So what would it be like living next to these people? It says at the end, he is married and has what? Yeah. Three kids in France? Yeah, he's got kids. He's got kids. You know, I, I wonder if those kids are <laughs> yep. like running little, -year running little scams. You know, like what's the French version of like at some point he's just like, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make a family to love me. I mean, if his drive truly was to be part of a family, yeah. then... That's kind of the solution, He right? should be done. Yeah. He should be <laughs> leading a, yeah. as normal life as he could lead at this point. Um, telling his kids some amazing fucking stories. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, um, I'm not proud of this, but... Yeah. No, he's proud of it. Did you see those videos? Yeah. He is proud of But you gotta of tell your kids did. you're not proud of it. Yeah. Any, any serialist is proud of it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live in Texas next to that other family. No. I would. Hell no. They'd That'd be a shitty it. You wouldn't need Tate TV. <laughs> Yeah, but I would need no, a gun would. and bars on my windows. No, I, I just I just wouldn't want to because it's hot. <laughs> That's not a good reason. But like, I just don't want to live in Texas. Yeah, yeah I don't. I would. I would like the first day. I'd be like, you know, that's not him, right? <laughs> I would love to be there to like throw that wrench into things. <laughs> he's French. He's French. Yeah, he's French. French. He's you old. guys, um, you guys, uh, fans of Animaniacs? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember Chicken Boo? No. No, I, remember I guess name. we're not fans. Oh. Chicken, Chicken Boo. It was when I was younger and would watch it. I thought it was stupid, but now that I'm an adult, I think it's brilliant, absurdist humor. And every episode is Chicken Boo is a giant chicken, right. but he's always he's always impersonating somebody. Oh yes, and yes. everybody yes. everybody believes that it's him. And there's yeah. always only one person. There's always only one person that's like. You know that's a giant chicken, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and nobody can see it until the end when he's he's like revealed, and then he's like disgraced and run out of town because he's a giant chicken impersonating a human. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. this movie's like. It's like a it's like a yeah. real life it's a, chicken boo. It's a real life chicken boo episode. Yeah, that's, no, that's good. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna put that in as the answer. See if real anybody gets it. <laughs> Animaniacs deep cuts. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us here at Buried Cinema. Make sure you subscribe to one of the many platforms where you can find our show. You can find us at Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Buried Cinema. If you'd like to contribute to help keep our show going, you can donate through BuriedCinema.com. For those that donate, we periodically give away prizes and allow you to suggest movies so you can make us watch anything you want. Thanks so much, and stay tuned for our next movie review. Sorry, I was going to share an Occam's Razor joke that I saw online back when Stephen was alluding to Occam's Razor. Mm -hmm. One person says, what's Occam's Razor? And the other person says, it's a razor that belongs to Occam. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.